Hello, I'm Kevin. And I'm Mike. And this is Six Degrees with Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we're taking a long, hard look at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of the 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. guys, welcome back. This is episode five of our deconstruction of Big Trouble in Little China. I'm back with Mike and a special guest on this episode, Mike Cook, uh, is here to help us talk through the movie. Hey, Mike. Hey, how's it going on? It's going good. It's been a minute since we recorded, so for a little rusty, we got to <laughs> knock the rust off. Life has taken hold. Life comes at you fast. Life comes. <laughs> um, but my... Mike, can you tell us a little bit about your background with uh, Big Trouble in Little China? Sure. So, Big Trouble in Little China, uh, it's a movie that has a special place in my heart. Like, I love it um, almost entirely from nostalgia. Um, I've gone back and watched a lot of these films recently. A lot of things that I kind of half remember. Like, I, I remembered rewatching it. I remembered the plot. I remember what happened. I remember the sequences. But uh, I did not really remember the movie is interesting rewatching it and that's kind of true with most of Carpenter stuff. Uh, it's definitely a movie I think where the only thing you might remember about it is that you thought it was really cool when you were a kid. Yeah. And I do feel like this movie especially is like a different experience watching it as a, like a film savvy adult versus a teenager who was watching, you know, the VHS or whatever in your room. Yeah, I totally mirror what you say, Mike. Like, I saw the movie when I was a kid, and it's like, oh, I was like, oh, bright lights and karate, and look at all the spectacle of the film. Uh, and it's kind of, it's it's fun to go back now and rewatch it and look at it from, like, a technical standpoint. And it's like, oh, I, I, now I see why that worked. And I, and, it's, <laughs> and, and and we've talked about this movie before, and it's a very a practical film. And so it's really cool to see how they did all that practical um um, special effects. Yeah. Each rewatch of the movie, you notice how much more weird of a movie it is. <laughs> and each like, what were they thinking to, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's that, it's that movie that it's just an odd, odd experience. Yeah. I still don't feel that it's odd though. Like I, and, and that's just me because I, maybe just cause I love it so much, but I, but I totally understand what you're saying. Like with yeah. the, how it is. I mean, that's what I love about Carpenter in general is he's not afraid to just throw stuff against the wall and see what's happening, right? <laughs> like if he thinks this is going to be a cool sequence, he's not going to let very much stop him. It seems yeah. like. <laughs> I wonder if that's been like his Achilles heel though, like in, I think in Hollywood. His <laughs> yeah, his strength and his weakness. Yeah, probably. Yeah. 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 This uh, section we're going to cover from Egg and Chu are telling us all about Lopan up until the moment that um, Wang and Jack are tied up in the dungeon at uh, Lopan's hangout. So to get right into it, as I just said, uh, we got Egg and Chu are explaining to Gracie Law that Lopan's like an evil spirit. Uh, he's been cursed to live forever as a demon, but he is, desires to be like a flesh and blood man again. I think one of the themes of that part was like the uh, balance between positive and negative energy in yeah. life. So, um, yeah, I guess yeah, that's he's like, like a out of balance. So he's stuck. Yeah. In this loop, I guess, or mm -hmm. whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It also helps to have Gracie there because it gives an excuse for 
exposition to just be getting spewed out of these two guys who both know it all already. Yeah. A lot of those scenes in this movie, a lot yeah. of sitting around like a table and telling the plot of the story. Which I guess is one benefit to having like the outsider white character in there is that they don't know what's going on when all the Chinese characters do know mm-hmm. already. I did notice that egg sort of reduces all of Chinese culture down to a salad bar. <laughs> what did he say? About, it's like your salad bar. We we just take what we want and we leave the rest. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he does at the same point. It's 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 pretty valid, right? Like uh, a, a lot of cultures we don't recognize, but most religions came from places, right? There's a, there's a line of uh, kind of descendancy. Things come from things. Stories get adapted from one religion over to another religion. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he is talking the truth, but he is also kind of simplifying. It's very reductionist. It, it, right. Yeah, no, it, you don't get very long with the theories. I mean, a lot of that is, or at least my understanding of a lot of Eastern um, uh, religion, mythology, whatever, a lot of that stuff is pretty pretty good. It's a pretty decent summary, right? You want You yeah. want people to have an idea but you don't really want to necessarily bore them with a whole bunch of culture. A history lesson. Right. Isn't exactly. I mean, isn't America also like a hodgepodge of, you know, we'll have Jewish words that have made their way into, uh, mm-hmm. you know, right. or we're eating pizza and we think of that as American food and, you know, it's mm-hmm. like a oh, e- even cultures. They, they don't talk about one particular religion in this movie, though. Like, they, like well, they talk about, no, yeah, it is they like, talk about spirits and like, like and, mysticism, and, and yeah, also and Buddhism, and, well, and the, the hall is filled with Buddhists when yeah. there's a wheelchair at the end of the at, at this end of this episode. Yeah. yeah, I went to Thailand for my honeymoon, and that's all you saw was like Buddhist monks and temples and everything yeah. like that, and Buddha, Buddhas all over the place. So it's kind of interesting that they got away with showing as much Buddha as you could because it's like a huge... It's almost like... Um, not, oh, uh, not showing the image. Yeah, not, not showing, showing the image. Yeah, not showing Muhammad. Like, it's like a... Like, you can't take Buddha out of the it's country. The opposite of that. It's yeah, like, so it's like, like it's weird that it's like all over this film. Like, we've discussed, I think, previously that this movie in its first stages was set to be a Western, like, or set in the Wild West, like a an Indiana Jones type spinoff, you know, like a, a whatever, a white man who enters this culture and gets swept up into like a supernatural mystical adventure. And I'm wondering, like, what do you think? Do you think the mysticism and the supernatural elements of this whole story would play better in sort of, sort of more of an ancient setting? Or do you like that it's like all neon lights and whatever sports so, cars and stuff i can't think of like a sci-fi western other than star wars apparently star wars is a sci-fi western so i i i think that if you take a good story you can put it anywhere but like westerns are so like based on like horses and country i, I see like a mm-hmm. lot of brown and dirt and stuff like that yeah. so i don't know if that would i don't know if that would work well i mean uh Star Trek is also technically a Western. Really? Um, Deep Space Nine is Stagecoach, if I remember right. It's like anything, yeah, where it's like outsiders coming in to clean up this town. Right. Basically, mm. it's sort of like a Western theme. Well, you, you have the cowboy, who is the lone individual rugged hero or a band. And then you also have um, exploration in an area that's unknown with a lot of hostile things mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. but it's, for me like if you didn't say that it's, if you don't say that it's a western then i would never see that as a western you know right. like yeah. like westerns to me are very distinct in their look and their feel and, and you, like again you can take the same story 
and plug it somewhere else, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be like, well, that's that's not a Western. So yeah, well, I mean, there's it's almost like a um, it's like the proto language or whatever, right? We don't we have we have proto languages, but basically that's the story, right? You reduce it down and it is the same story a lot of times, or it's different stories in setting. Western now is more as much setting as it is mm-hmm. like genre uh, genre tropes. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely get your point, but at the same point, like, you know, you had Ford who inspired Kurosawa to do his Chanbara stuff. And then that inspires so many other, that inspires Star Wars, that inspires other Westerns, Magnificent Magnific- Seven. Yeah. Could we say that this movie is a rom-com then? Like there's a lot of <laughs> romance in it. There's a lot of comedy in it. Like it's not, it's not, not really a Western. Much like Chinese culture, this movie is like a hodgepodge <laughs> yeah. of a lot of stuff. Anyway, I think though... Um, Jack as like a truck driver is sort of maybe the closest parallel we have to that loner cowboy like in modern America just a guy who roams the earth you know look at you know whatever getting into adventures I can't really think of too many other occupations where you're long hours by yourself just roaming the the American landscape uh serial serial killer (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's an occupation. That's a lot of for some people it is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know people that a lot of made a lot of money off of that. <laughs> well, that's the interesting thing with this movie too, right? Like we're saying, it's a mash. The first thing that Jack makes me think of with him going in, even though he's in America, right, which is an area he knows. To me, it almost feels like the stranger in a strange land type of uh, story. That's really kind of the story they they seem like they're doing, but then really. Everybody else, the strange land, the strange land in quote air quotes, uh, the Chinese folks really kind of just handle their own business. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Jack is just kind of there for the ride. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's totally an outsider. Yeah. I mean, he's not, he's not aware of all the, you know, the, the inner machinations of what's even going on. He's just like, I just want my truck back. Yeah. Well, he's in Chinatown, which I feel like I've, I've never been to San Francisco. I know you've been, Kevin. Yeah. I don't know if you've been, Mike. But uh, I feel like I wouldn't, I would feel weird if I walked into Chinatown like today. And this movie was made back in the 80s. Especially so. if you walk down like the back alley where tourists don't go. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, I feel like I'm an outsider here and everyone's probably wondering what I'm doing here. Yeah. So I guess it is interesting that you could be in America, but not feel like you're in America. We cut back to Jack and Wang. They're trapped in an elevator and Jack has got his all his bravado up and he's like, I'll just hop out the hatch in the top and climb up the cable. And Wang's like, no, you're not gonna. Do that. <laughs> it's <laughs> all like, it's greased like they're having up. These stories down. It's like covered in grease. Yeah. Um. Anyway, as they're having this debate, the elevator starts to fill up with water. It's yeah. a con- like a sort of movie serial type, you know, gag or whatever. You're trapped in the chamber, and I love this scene because they start arguing right after this. Like they're like. It's almost like a I told you so kind of an argument. Like, mm-hmm. no, I told you to do this. No, I told you to do that. It's like they always have like some element of comedy threaded through this entire movie. It, like even when they're like about to drown in this elevator, like the moment where they should be at their most, you know, peril, they're like joking on each other, like ratting on each other. I, 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 that's to me one of the best parts of this movie. Yeah, it's 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 definitely fun because there's never a moment where it's not winking at you, and it, it, like yeah, I, I I totally love that. I really love the, you know, this is fun. We know it's supposed to be fun. We're just gonna do this. Yeah, there's, I don't think there's barely a scene in the movie that doesn't play for laughs in the scene. You know, um, there's a weird line where Jack's like, "This is salt water," and I'm just wondering, 
that I didn't see him taste it. I don't know if he's melted <laughs> or whatever. Well, yeah. It's just one of those things like, don't worry, you're, if we got you at this point in the movie, like you're with us for the ride. Well, more was like, why was that a relevant piece of information? <laughs> like, I, I imagine that there's some, I don't know, it almost felt like there was somebody behind the scenes telling him about a lot of this mythology and there's like a reason why it would be salt water would be important because yeah. they immediately go into the next room, right? All it means to me is that it's ocean water. Yeah, that's what but I thought. I don't, yeah, I don't see how that's so relevant. like like and if Chinatown been... is not, to my memory, is not particularly close to the shore, like to the to the ocean or the San Francisco Bay. Anyway, what if it had been freshwater? What would have been the yeah, difference? They're going to drown the same. Yeah, I mean, like if it had been freshwater, that would have meant what? Right. As opposed to salt water, I, I have no idea. I don't know. Well, the only thing I can think of is right. Each of these floors of the building. Or essentially like a level of Chinese hell. Yeah, there are a lot of hells discussed mm-hmm. yes. in the movie. Although they never really get into it and how why they're all in this building or it's the thing <laughs> same thing with Lopan. Like I know he wants to be flesh and bone, but he shows up and like destroys his rig and they never really explain why he wants to be mortal. They say, Oh, he's restricted because he's not mortal. But I don't think they ever he says he's oh, trapped in this aging, like decrepit, crippled body. Right. Yeah. But he can also manifest himself as like the spirit guy. Whenever he wants to, but I guess he can't like touch, touch anything. Things. So maybe he doesn't have those like earthly delights. So he can't take three forms. He he so he has three forms in the movie. He has the spirit form, and then he has the old man form. But then he has that one form that we saw in the, in the uh, alley. In the alley. So he takes on three forms, but we don't know which is the true true form of Lopan. I, I would imagine the spirit form is the true form because that's the one that he wants to get back to the most. I'm not convinced that when we see him in the alley with no makeup that that is supposed to be Lopan as much as maybe just a chance for him to get his face on the screen with no makeup on. I, this is totally a movie where I could see that they filmed something and then later like, they're like, Oh, well no one's going to know. Uh, <laughs> it's almost just like when Hitchcock wanders through the background of the movie and you're like, Hey, there's Hitchcock. That, but I don't think that you're, it's not meant to mean anything. That's a pretty long, that's a pretty, that's a pretty direct scene, though. Like, they make a point of pointing him out in that scene. Well, it's a close-up. Oh, yeah, so they could have easily have edited it out. I mean, I know what you're saying. Like, uh, like they could have, like, oh, oops, well, don't worry about it. We'll, it'll, it won't make any sense to anybody. But, they, like, they make a point of showing him, like, especially when the truck passes him. Mm-hmm. And even when he gets hit by the truck later on, like, I, I think that, don't they even say that he takes on three forms? Well, and he wants some to part. be himself a young man again, mm-hmm. but that's after he marries the green-eyed girl and yeah. sacrifices her or whatever. I'm just not convinced. If if you can appear in that form, why would he ever be the guy in the wheelchair? Maybe that's his like, go-to-the-store form. Like, he's got a, a sex-up-the-green-eyed girl form, and then he's got the old man form, and then he's got going to Kroger form. <laughs> well, and that's what I was saying is you could almost, you could even tie that into the stakes of the movie saying, hey, his the form that he's in right now, he's bound to his moral form, which is the old man form. And because of this curse, he can't be freed from it. Um, and that old man is going to die soon, right? So then your stakes mm-hmm. are, hey, we really need to stop this because if we can stop this, then he's going to die and he'll permanently leave as a threat. Or it, even just a throwaway line of, you know, he's limited in power while he's bound to the earth. They don't say anything. They just say <laughs> he wants to marry. If he marries this woman and sacrifices her, it's the ultimate evil bad end. But they don't actually really explain. I guess, I don't know, you don't want to over explain in an action movie either. 
it's more, you know, it, so sometimes it's fun to actually do this, right? Just yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, and maybe there were scenes where there was a lot more explanation and it just bogged the movie down. I, I'm a little fuzzy just on the physics of the elevator filling up with water. Like, is it being lowered into water? Or I guess the they, whole shaft water would have to be... Because then they pull the doors open and they swim into the next room and it's a whole room that's flooded. So now this is the beauty of movies. They could be anywhere and there's a thousand different ways that it could have gotten water. They could have yeah. let, had PVC pipe that was <laughs> mystical PVC pipe that was flooded that water. Um, I don't know. I, I think that I don't think it matters it really <laughs> like in the big scheme of things. <laughs> really I, I think that um, it's, it's just cool that they flooded the thing and then they have to escape. Yeah, from it's it. like the classic. We got to escape the, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, they swim into the next chamber, right? And there's all these like, uh, eviscerated bodies chained up down there and it's it's really pretty gruesome like it's you get some John Carpenter flavor there where he's like his horror roots or whatever like it's flesh and you also get a taste of Chinese mythology and like their cosmology especially can be pretty nasty I mean yeah. so can yeah. everybody's but like yeah that's the hell of the upside down sinners. When we did like episode one or two, like we had, I didn't even know that the Tongs was a real group. Like I didn't know that the Tong War was a real war. I thought that was maybe something they just wrote for the movie, but that was an actual real thing. So it is possible that that is a, a hell in China, a Chinese hell. I did get as far as reading like um, like Dante's Inferno. There's Chinese mythology that's like different levels of hell or whatever, but mm-hmm. I couldn't find the names of those. And if those sync up to the the ones that are used in the movie. All right. They're in the water. They swim up to the surface where there's air again. And they get one of the three storms is like up there looking down on them. Yeah. Right. And then we just cut two. I think they're tied up in a wheelchair. Like we don't yeah. really see how they got them out of the water or anything. And once again, it's one of those things that just doesn't matter. Yeah. That was, so that was, I think that was rain that, that's, that they saw up above them. Okay. And so then rain is in the next scene and he's whooping their ass. Like they're torturing the <laughs> hell out of Jack and Wang. There was an interesting thing I read that said that the actor who played rain, he did not know until he's at the premiere that the movie was a comedy. Cause I think his scenes, I don't think he was present in any scene where it's, jokes being exchanged so all he knows is he was probably there just kicking dudes asses in all his scenes and he you know he didn't he didn't know what was happening when he wasn't there now can you imagine like hey mom i'm in this movie like i'm playing this role and it's like this really dark and sinister role and it's this is a dark and gritty movie and then you show up like the day of the day of the the premiere and it's like this goofball comedy like how do you like that would (laughs) that would feel pretty bad well, and if I remember right, it would, which is really weird, that cut between them being near the top of the water and then all of a sudden, um, uh, oh gosh, Jack getting like pink, uh, hit by the balls or whatever. Yeah. Um, they don't cut to anything else, I don't think. I think it's just a direct cut. Yeah, I think it, so. And it's really weird because very shortly thereafter, they're like trying to get into the building and they could have just pushed that cut up and it would have not been as distracting. <laughs> Like it's probably not something you you see the first time you see it. 
and once again, it's probably maybe overthinking a little bit, but it's like, you know, you don't really need to know how they get out of the water. The important thing is they get them out of the water, they're tying them. That's up. what we do here. <laughs> right. We, we ask these questions. But it's, just, it's such a weird direct cut. They're just like, okay, we're over here now. <laughs> I think there was probably a lot of material on the cutting room floor. Oh, yeah. Movie, and there's like, oh, yeah, there was another scene with Gracie in there, but it just didn't work or whatever. Yeah. What did they say? Like when you film a movie, you like edit it down to like a third of what you filmed or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Um, anyway. Yeah. As you just said, like rain is like kicking Jack's ass with nerf balls. Basically. Like, I don't know what that is. It's, and he summons them. Thank you. He, he makes them materialize from thin air, right? Like he closes his hand and opens it. And there's a, an orange ball or whatever there, and then he whacks him with it, but then they're just piled up on the floor at Jack's feet. Thank you for saying that, because I was like, the way he does it, I was like, is that like, is that supposed to be like a soft ball, like a Nerf it ball like that it. he floats <laughs> into his body real fast, so so fast that it hurts him? If that was like an actual, like a heart, like a lacrosse ball, let's say, like he could have just thrown it at him and that would have hurt, but I think the whole point was that he materialized this soft ball, and I like, keep he Wouldn't gently it, blows it and it see, almost knocks him out. It would make more sense if it was like, you know, a ball of electricity or, I don't know, something that was non-physical. It, well, And he's rain, right? And it's like, why does rain have... Lightning literally had lightning. Yeah. Uh, it makes me wonder if that wasn't something that was supposed to be changed in post. And all they could do... Like, the red balls was maybe... Like where they would have, I don't know, maybe they had things or maybe they did a cut where he went down and all of a sudden they realized all of their cuts had all these red balls everywhere. And they're like, I guess that's just what he's tossing at him now. We'll save some money. <laughs> that is a good, Couldn't, yeah. I feel like it could have been ice maybe, like uh, rain can make yeah. a ball of water and well, right. freeze and it, it. and yeah. yeah, and it would actually grow kind of like the ball does. Yeah, yeah Maybe yeah. that effect didn't work and they're like, yeah, just make it. Uh, <laughs> 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 We're just sitting here wondering like, why is he got a rip? over that orange ball anyway with make it look like ice fuck it that's a just good call a, i've know. never thought about that before uh, just, you know you never know with this movie right it, mm-hmm. it's like uh, to me it's, it's there's so many things like the end of python like was that really the, supposed to be the end of python or did they just literally run out of money uh, yeah i don't understand because <laughs> you like in making a movie like you know you film scenes all over the place so they could have filmed that scene first what do you mean you ran out of money like you, yeah. you had to have budgeted everything out before you even started filming so right uh, I could see a grip walking through the background of a scene, and Carpenter's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we went for that to be there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, just go with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, you know, that was what L- L- Lopan's support staff. Yeah, didn't he? I think he said he had like some budgetary like problems making this film. So well, I'm like, sure. I mean, th- th- this film, especially the age that it's in, the amount of ambition that he has, he probably got really. I bet his budgets were kept going up and down. Like, because yeah. I think, I don't know, did the thing even do well no. in the theater? It did awful until home video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it when people say budget problems, but like that movie was probably still made for, let's say, let's, I'm just throwing out a number, $30 million, right? I mean, because yeah. you have to pay Kurt Russell, you have to pay the cast and everything like that. You had to they pay, thought, they built a set, they built a whole set. They thought it was going to be like one of the biggest mm-hmm. couple movies of that year. Yeah. And it just didn't work out that way. The marketing was funky or something on it but they thought it was going to be a cash cow yeah. so i know they spent some money hey I'm- listen anybody out there if you want to give me 30 million dollars to make a film I, please <laughs> send it my way i will give you my address <laughs> i will make it work i want to say 86 was like a really good year for movies too top gun was that yeah year, yeah yeah, yeah, that yeah. Had to be the big one 
Yeah. It, it, sometimes you just never know what you're going to release against. Right. Top Gun came out the same year. It's, it's, that, I mean, I, and that's I, funny because like Top Gun seems like it was so ahead of its time. And this movie was such like a throwback to like old school filming filmmaking yeah so it's just kind of weird that they were both they both were made at the same time that's kind of the funny thing to me too i was thinking about this when we were talking about history is i feel like this was one of the last big like mainstream kung fu movies like there had been a number through the 70s and early 80s like they had the ninja series and whatnot but i want to say the ninja series ended like 83 or something and you you know you'll have the occasional uh, bruce lee movie or bruce lee biopic but even that kind of got pushed into the 90s this feels like one of the last big i don't know maybe it accidentally killed it Uh, that could be you mean like americanized but right with the hong kong feel not just like chuck norris karate movies but well yeah kind of both even though right well i mean i guess chuck norris did have a few movies after this but or up until like jackie chan i guess right like rush hour and all the stuff in shanghai nights doing pretty well yeah yeah Yeah. as well but i mean i'm thinking about like a big budget not just a pulp well karate movie well and this is kind of pulling it out of because a lot of the stuff that we did get, I don't know. I guess we did end up going like you had Kickboxer and Bloodsport. Yeah, and they those were still kinda... making movies, but they were those were five million dollar movies, not right, not and like they were studio releases. Yeah, and they weren't definitely weren't like American films, like well, know. and they didn't have all the pulp that this does, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have all the pulp that it's pulling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, next thing they're wheeling Jack and Wang into like ornate great hall. Of Lopan's yeah, uh, hangout here. This is when the movie there's starts. There's a lot of rooms in this warehouse, yeah, and different, like very different decor. You know, he's got like the chained up corpses over here, and then like the really just ornate, yeah. You know, all the statues and Buddhas and all of this stuff. I um, think of I think of Lopan kind of like a, a like a vampire. Like he's been around for like yeah. centuries, so he's had enough time to like collect all this money. You know, that's why he can afford to have all the things that he has. Like, he, he probably didn't he's even... Probably, yeah, he's been the crime boss of Chinatown probably since yeah. Chinatown was founded, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, it's... Well, it is kind of like the Dracula's castle, right? Mm-hmm. It's... I have this castle. I have all this money. I'm very mystically powerful. Mm-hmm. So I've built down into the ground. So I've got my castle here, but nobody really knows it, which also plays into, like, the hell theme of, like, yeah. being mm-hmm. the ground. I wonder if somebody read Dante's Inferno before they wrote this script. <laughs> I think they probably read the real Chinese like mythology yeah, yeah. to get to that. So they're in the Great Hall, right? And an ancient-looking old man on a motorized wheelchair comes cruising in. And the makeup on this dude is incredible. Yeah, yeah. Like, was that Rick Baker? I don't, I don't know I don't, who the makeup artist was on it, but I know looks like Car- it. John Carpenter's like, that's his bread and butter, you know, is like creature effects and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So... Of course, you expect that to be awesome, but this is, uh, we don't, I guess we don't know who this is, right? Because Jack tells him, we're looking for Lopan, and the guy says, well, you found him. Or, I mean, this scene is played for, this is one of the funniest scenes in the movie, Absolutely, I think, is, absolutely. So, uh, like, when Lopan first comes out, they're like, we're looking for Lopan. He's like, eh, what? Like an old man. <laughs> it is, it's, it's kind of like Yoda's introduction, right? Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, he's playing the feeble old man and senile mm-hmm. and all that but then you realize there's a lot more to him yep um lopin tells him this meow yin must be very special for all the effort that they're putting into trying to get her back and he's been waiting thousands of years for a green-eyed girl and starts asking wang all sorts of questions about her and what's what's her parentage and mm-hmm. all this stuff but 
I know we've had this discussion before, Mike. Like thousands of years. Yeah, there had to have like, been there another had one. Had to have been. Had to have been. He's being real picky, or they just don't make the cut. Like well, they well, can't pass that test. They even talk about that, right? Yeah. They, they say, "Well, there." He's like, "Of course there are others, but they just never work out." I'm like, yeah. They don't work out as sacrifices. Did he <laughs> yeah. just not yeah. like them? You were going to kill her, okay. <laughs> especially when it, you know, when it turns out that Gracie also passes the test, and it's like. So you weren't even restricted to just Chinese girls. Yeah, yeah. Like, th- there's no reason, Lopan, you couldn't have figured this out, you know, 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Lopan says one of my favorite lines in this entire movie, because even I think what we're talking about right now, Jack is like, yeah, I don't I don't get that. And Lopan <laughs> is like, you are not brought upon this earth to get it. You know, <laughs> I love that line, man. I the love line, that line. The lines that Jack, the, everyone's lines in this scene are great. Yes. I mean, they're hilarious. And. Jack leans in real close when he's talking about sending them to the hell of people being skinned alive. And he's like, are you crazy? Is that your problem? (laughs) (laughs) Are you just a crazy person? (laughs) I mean, uh, James Hong is one of my favorite actors. Mm -hmm. He is just so good and he's so funny. Yeah. Um, I don't know. One of his, I know this is really weird, but one of his favorite roles for me is actually in a video game. Um, In Diablo 3, there was a jeweler and his name was Covetous Shin. And that's James Hong. He's just hysterical. Everything I ever watch him in, he's so, so good. He, uh, he's so funny. He's well, a great I, I character actor. Yeah. I, don't, I, I guess I first saw him in Blade Runner. Yeah, Blade Runner. He's mm-hmm. like the... Um, but, I, I mean, he's been in so many things. Like, yeah. it's just amazing. Like, yeah, he I think was of in... him as that old... He's kind of like um, like Christopher Lloyd from Back mm-hmm. to the Future. I always thought of him as being old because he was playing older than he really was yeah. in Back to the Future. So... I imagine, like, in my mind, James Hong has been around forever. Yeah. yeah and man. he was old in the mid-80s. <laughs> he was old he in Blade Runner. He wasn't that old, though, probably. He might have been 40s. Uh, you know, I don't know. We can probably find his birth date. But, um, oh, yeah. 1929. Oh, yeah, he's oh, old. He was old already. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I was cool, like, you've been around and doing it forever, man. Yeah, I like James Hong because he doesn't really take himself seriously. Like, he just, he's like, he's the perfect actor because he's like, I'm acting because I enjoy acting. I like being in this film. I like, I like, I love what I'm doing. He's not necessarily trying to be like this famous person, although he is at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that's where I aspire to be. I just want to be doing things and just love what I'm doing. And you can, t- you can see it in everything he does yeah. where he's just like in the moment having fun doing it. I like that he played Lopan in that Lopan music video. Uh, like Gangnam style, Lopan yeah. style. We'll drop that on the blog. But okay. He's. I like that he's still... I mean, for him, this might be one of his career-defining roles. You know, mm, like, mm-hmm. he probably has more lines than any other english-speaking at least film that he's been in i so what i, I think of like i think of this movie i think of blade runner yeah. and then what was the um he's the, like a guy who's in one scene what was the jack black movie uh, kung, fu panda. kung fu panda i think of yeah. kung fu panda Mr. Oh, Ping. yeah he know, plays his dad kung fu panda. that's a good movie yeah, he, he's uh he's poe's dad yep that's the three okay. things that stick out to me but I, I know that he's been in like so many other things he's yeah he's probably of all the people in this movie, I bet he's gotten more credits to his name oh, yeah. than anyone else. And he was that's right. And he's in Star Wars Rebels, which is one of my favorite. Oh, movies. really? Yes. Is that doing more voice work? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of the things is I think he's now transferred a lot over to a lot more voice work. He's mm. in a lot of games now and, and uh, things like that. Isn't it amazing though, like to be like such a recognizable voice that like I, you can like hear him in like a video game mm-hmm. and be like, oh, that's. James Hong. Yes, yeah. he never changes his voice to the best of my knowledge. Like maybe a little bit. Yeah. It's basically just him. Yeah. But it's 
it's kind of sad. It, it's kind of fine because there's only so many of those voices that are in yeah. our media anyways. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a little bit sad, but at the same point, I'm always happy whenever I hear him. No, he's definitely got the, the Chinese, old Chinese man on lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> So Lopan, he starts explaining to the guys that he's trapped in this old man's body, but if he can marry a green-eyed girl, he can escape and rule the universe from beyond the grave. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's his end game. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> and yeah. also, it's just a, a humorous line, and then when Jack pays it back to him later with, you know, hamming it up or whatever, mm-hmm. like, then you'll rule the universe from beyond the grave. And it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's, just like it's a ludicrous Yeah goal to have I yeah guess. well i think he says that um he wants to be free and flesh and then jack says oh and rule the universe like, <laughs> and, and hung's just like yes well, i guess that is the plan <laughs> <laughs> yeah jack's just, just messing with him but yeah uh yeah jack like kurt russell he knows what this movie is you know he's bringing all the humor out of every mm-hmm, scene mm-hmm. that he can mm-hmm. um so he's got this wall of security monitors also in his great hall. And he's, we see Margo and Eddie and uh, Gracie. They're like at the front desk trying to get in. And then yeah. again, James Hahn just being funny is like, Oh no, this really pisses me off. <laughs> like, they have mad some... at his security guards. Yeah. Or I don't, I don't know what exactly it is that pisses him off. But it, it is yeah. That he's being intruded on again. Like somebody else is coming to his warehouse to like <laughs> to bother him. Yeah, like they have some this they have some really great lines in this in this film. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a mixture of serious, you know, drama, action, you know, whatever. And then also just they'll drop a line that's a complete joke yeah. into the middle of the scene as well. I wonder if if all so I wonder if all those lines were scripted or is that like, you know, James Carpenter talking to his actors like just <laughs> just go, just be in the moment, just say something like we're going to film it and you say what you think will happen will be funny at this time. I, this has the feel of a movie that was playing it really loose. Yeah. I, there's got to be a lot of improv. Yeah. Cuz you've got a lot of funny people in that movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then we cut to that trio trying to argue their way past the security guard and like she's a reporter and she's gonna you know whatever write everything down and whatever but we got thunder comes oh do you got something well I, I thought it was funny that uh gracie's trying to be like really serious and she's uh-huh. talking about how margo is like this serious reporter and margo's like in the corner like fumbling through her bag <laughs> like she can't even find like a pen or and she looks up say like, oh, oh yeah yeah <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm fuzzy on what margo's purpose in this movie is she never really contributes anything to other than just being another outsider maybe we need more than one woman to be rescued <laughs> yeah i was thinking like a love interest for eddie who also is a character who doesn't really need to be there yeah that is uh, that's a really good question I, I have no idea i know what she is but i don't know what her purpose is like she doesn't really she add that blows up their spot by writing a big expose or only towards the we towards know the, about well and i think that she was supposed to be the person that was going to blow open the whole like human um, trafficking the human trafficking thing yeah. but that they, they they don't talk about that very long yeah, at all and they just didn't need it but maybe the maybe the first draft was you know the the two hour cut of the movie that didn't get made mm. i don't know we got thunder comes out and he's like i can help you guys out mm-hmm. and that line even plays for a laugh. I think the way that he delivers it. Well, I think that's because of his accent. So I don't yeah, know. I, mean, I don't know if he like, did that on purpose. You know, well, it's like when Arnold and yeah. uh, Terminator says, "I'll be back." Like, 
we the audience gets it. Yeah. Um, whereas I think the line is meant to be just a serious line. But what it's did he like, say? Like help? Yeah, I can I help. I can help you. I can help but you. But it's like, yeah, you can help him into a, you know a jail cell. Or yeah. Whatever. I don't know. But um, and they just trust him. They just yeah. go with him. They know they're trying to get into like like the gang's hideout, and this guy's like. Let me help you guys out. I'll give you the, like the yeah the the yeah. grand tour. Yeah. And you're like cool. <laughs> Let's just follow this dude. Well, yeah, you know it's, it's so funny. This really feels to me like a like a role playing game where you have the novice party and they're just trying to go right into the front entrance. And Lopin's almost like the DM. Like, are you kidding me? Are you like even trying? And like, so he's like trying to let them pass the security guard, but nobody can roll better than a one, so nobody can convince the security guards. And the DM's just like, look, I'm just gonna throw this guy. He's gonna help you guys. So of yeah. course you're gonna do it. And then of course it's gonna be a trap because oh, like yeah. I'm we having to help to you guys too you. much. We just yeah, we had to help you into the trap. Right. <laughs> you couldn't get your you couldn't sneak in, so we'll help you get in. We as the audience would have still known it was a trap if it had been just some random like guard number two. If he had just rolled up and said, I can take you for, like, for yeah, yeah. I'm a head henchman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can help you out. Yeah. All right. So now we go back to Jack and Wang and they're uh being rolled into another cell mm-hmm. with skeletons all mounted around the wall. And then it's the movie trope where they just leave them unsupervised all right we'll put you guys in here at least they didn't monologue them though they just yeah, they, they, they did me, just leave them in there well i think that's coming later yeah yeah probably <laughs> or maybe it already happened yeah but um yeah they they just leave them unsupervised so jack tips over his wheelchair produces the boot from or the knife from his boot they, they didn't even search these guys for weapons <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, nope. I don't know what kind of operation well, we're running here. So, um, I'm made of thunder. Why do I care if you have a knife? Uh, yeah. Thank you. I, I was. I said it earlier. I was thinking that like thunder, rain, and uh, lightning. They're 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 such on a they're on a, such a high level that they don't yeah. need to search anybody. Even if he does come with a knife, like so what? Those like turban dudes. They should have been. They should have been searching. They should all be fired. Definitely. That's the Wing Kong. Yeah. The bad guys. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Um. But thank God he's got the knife, cuts himself free. Um, we got Thunder is taking Grace and Eddie and Margo into an elevator where they get gassed. Mm-hmm. He's got his elevators rigged up. Oh, yeah. So, like, it can do whatever you need it to. It's like the Batmobile. What if, you're, what if you're that dude is like doing a fish delivery on Thursday and you <laughs> hit the wrong button and you drown downstairs? <laughs> no, well, they've got a hell for you. Yeah. One of those. Hell of the fish delivery guy. That's, that's what the guys upside down are for. Yeah. Um, so does Thunder, does he use his, like, his breathing powers or whatever? Is that why the gas doesn't affect him? Is he like holding his breath? Yeah, well, you would well, think or? he's not actually human, right? Yeah. I guess not, yeah. I don't think he's holding his breath because he's talking to him the whole time. So he's explaining, like he's giving okay. him some generic like uh, tour of the place. I'll, I'll buy, I'll buy Mike, I'll buy that. He's not human, so. Well, but he also does. As soon as he walks out of the elevator, he tosses like like a cloth or something off to the side. Okay, it's a cigar. It was. It is a cigar. It, oh, he was smoking okay. a cigar. He tosses a cigar to the side. I don't even remember seeing him smoke the cigar. Oh, well, I missed that somehow. <laughs> he had, yeah, when he comes up and he's like, I can help you, he has a cigar in his hand. And so when he he's, he flings the cigar down, he's like... Uh, I figured it was like maybe he took something. I, it, it's probably just like I'm literally made of lightning. Mm-hmm. I, you're, this gas is not going to do anything. Yeah, yeah. It's weird that he's, yeah, unhuman smoking a cigar. Maybe that was just like to throw them off. The yeah, he's, I, I think that's what I think that's why he threw it on the ground because he's like, oh, yeah, I don't have to smoke this anymore. <laughs> yeah. And then we cut back to Jack, and the oh, I think he tells Thunder tells the henchman, 
uh, tie these ones up mm-hmm, or whatever mm-hmm. they do with them. So Jack is cutting Wang free from his restraints. They're trying to figure out a way out of this place. Wang is trying to explain, give us some more exposition, like explaining the legend of Lopan. Yeah. Armies of the dead, uh, all this stuff. He just throws monkey sacrifices out there as like part of the story, and then they just move on. Like, <laughs> Armies of the dead, monkey sacrifice. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> I want to hear more about these monkey sacrifices. I think they were just trying to. Is that the part where he's talking about, um, like, uh, how do you would tell these stories as a kid? Yeah, he was saying like, I'm Chinese and I didn't even believe yeah, these stories. Yeah. I do like that angle mm-hmm. of it being like, this is like scary stories that your, you know, your mm-hmm. granddad mm-hmm. would tell you, and you just always thought they were just. They're, they're, he's the boogeyman. Lo, Lo Pan is the boogeyman yeah, to these yeah. people. Yeah, absolutely. Then yeah, uh, yeah. Wang he he likens the legend to a fairy tale. I think it's. I mean, I I think that's very believable. When he says, "I didn't believe this myself," that to me gives it more of like a ring of, a reality, rather than just oh yeah, we all knew that this stuff was <laughs> real all along. You know, it's like the old timers know, I guess, but the younger generation has forgotten or whatever. Well, I feel like they've always known about Lopan though. Like they, like they've always known that like they even knew where to go. Like they knew to, to go to his warehouse. So mm-hmm. they've always known about Lopan. I don't know if it was just, you know how like, you know, the, the mafia. So yeah. the Godfather, like, you know that that's the Godfather, but you don't go to his restaurant. You know they're out there. Yeah. You just, like, I think it was kind of like that. Yeah. They know he's bad, but they just, you think it's a different level of bad, right? Yeah. You're not going to look at it too closely because you know, he's bad. And if you start looking real close, but I think, uh, Egg is the guy who's supposed to be like, you know, basically the old timer that knows mm-hmm. wizard, and the nobody, yeah. yeah, the wizard, nobody else will listen to him, but he knows. Uh, I think he's filling that role. Mm-hmm. So Jack and Wang, they hear footsteps approaching and they're like, oh, get back in your chairs. I guess they don't know. It could be a dozen guys coming. Right? right. So they hop back in their chairs, put their blindfolds back on. And now like they've got the upper hand. Yeah, I guess. And that um, brings us to the end of this section. So, uh, we'll be back to take on the next chunk of this next time. I want to thank Mike for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have you back and we'll talk more about Big Trouble in Little China. All right, thanks a lot. Bye.